Welcome to the 23 Minutes in Hell podcast. Author and speaker Bill Weiss and his wife Annette address the many questions we all have about hell and eternity. Bill and Annette believe the subject of hell shouldn't grip us with fear, but instead, it should inspire us to use our time on earth wisely. Thank you for joining my wife and I. Today we are discussing the compassion of Jesus. Now many religions and religious leaders portray Jesus falsely. Some think he was mean and always condemned people of their sin. Some state that he did not always heal everyone and that it is not always his will to heal. Some portray him as pious and boring. Well, in this podcast today, you will see and hear what the real Jesus is like. Oh, Bill, that is so true. You know, I remember going to the museum and sometimes seeing these paintings of Jesus, and he looks so sad and just like you said, boring and pious and just so um, yeah. so out of reach, so out of touch with the right. people, you know. And it, that is so true. Yeah, it's exactly he, opposite of what he was. Exactly. And there are many stories in the Bible displaying the goodness and compassion of Jesus. However, he never compromised the truth. He hated sin, but he loved the people. And he showed great love and compassion to the humble and those seeking truth, but preach the law to the proud. And we will look at several stories today of how Jesus responded to people who were oftentimes rejected by society. Right. And the first story is in John 4, and it's a story of the woman at the well. Now, she was a Samaritan, and Samaritans were half Jew and half Gentile. So Jews were forbidden to even talk to a Samaritan, and that's in Acts 10.28. However, that was not God's law. He has no favorites, no prejudice, and loves everyone. And listen to these three verses. Ezekiel 18.25, God said, Is not my way equal? And James 2.9 says, But if you have respect of persons, you commit sin. And then Ephesians 6.9 says, Neither is there respect of persons with him, with God. Now this woman would come to the well at the hottest time of the day so as to avoid seeing the other women who came early in the day. The other women despised her, and they knew she lived as an adulteress. Now, Jesus knew this, so he came purposely during the middle of the day to minister to her. Now, to the Jews, for a rabbi to speak to a Samaritan woman, especially one in sin, was scandalous, you know, not reputable, and beneath his dignity. But that didn't bother Jesus. No, not at all. And we see that Jesus begins a conversation with her by asking her to give him some water. She is surprised as Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And the MacArthur Bible commentary states he lovingly and compassionately reached out to a woman who was a social outcast. That's right. This episode represents the first instance of cross-cultural evangelism. End of quote. And Jesus proceeds to tell her things about her life that only God could know. He tells her that she can drink from the well of living water that only he can give, and she will never thirst again. Then he reveals to her that he is the Messiah. She is so excited and touched, she goes and brings the people of her city to him. That's right. And then Jesus ministers to them for two days and many believed on him and were saved. Now, salvation up to this point was only for the Jews. 
But Jesus makes it available to a woman and one who was also an outcast and despised by the Jews. Now, to understand again, the Samaritans were half Jews and half Gentile. The Jewish people and most, uh, and most assuredly the scribes and Pharisees would have been outraged to know he spent two days with these outcasts and offered salvation to these, what they would call half-breeds. Now, Jesus never rejects those who are considered outcasts. So true. I love how Jesus defies always the religious mindset. You know, he constantly was healing on the Sabbath, which right. totally went against their so-called laws and rules. And he was always doing things. It was almost like to purposely right. rub them, which I love. Right. So in that case, he was talking to a woman. He was talking to a woman that was in sin and a Samaritan and reveals to her he's the Messiah. He did everything against what they they would consider outrageous, you know, but he was looking out for her. She was an Absolutely. He just moved with love and compassion. Right. Because people ignored her and uh, he wanted to, to minister to her, you know. Absolutely. Okay. And another story in Luke 17, 16 is where Jesus heals the 10 lepers and only one returns to thank him. And again, this man was a Samaritan. And Jesus instructs him to go his way and that his faith has made him whole. And some scholars report that perhaps the other nine were healed, but possibly not made whole. And that's, you know, indicative of the scripture. Right. And the point is that, again, Jesus draws attention to the one who was grateful, the one rejected by the culture. Right. Another story, Luke 10, is the story of the Samaritan who was traveling on the road and had come across a man who was beaten, unconscious, robbed, and stripped of clothing. The Samaritan bound his wounds and took him into an inn and paid the bill for his stay and any supplies needed. Now, before the Samaritan passed by, a Levite and then a priest had passed by the man who was beaten, but they did nothing and kept going on their way. So Jesus asked, which one of these men acted as a neighbor? They answered, the Samaritan. Jesus then said, go and do likewise. So again, Jesus uses the downtrodden of society as his godly example. Absolutely. Okay, Bill, here's another one, Matthew 20, 30. And here's where Jesus healed two blind men sitting by the wayside. And these blind men cried out for him, but the crowd told them to be quiet and rebuked them. But they cried the louder, and then Jesus stopped in his tracks. Their persistence got his attention. I'm certain Jesus also noticed how uncompassionate the crowd was towards them and how they despised them. Verse 34 says, So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. And the crowd, of course, didn't care about the blind men. But Jesus certainly did. That's right. You know, another story, John 8, 7. Here's where the scribes and Pharisees brought the woman caught in adultery to Jesus. They wanted to trap Jesus. Now, Jesus knew their evil hearts. And he also observed that they not only didn't bring or accuse the man, but they also had no regard or mercy for the woman. Jesus always defends the weak when there is humility, but he couldn't break his own law that commanded she would be stoned. 
Now, by the wisdom of his statement to them, he was able to remind them of their guilt, not break his own law, and still show mercy to her. Jesus rose above his law, convicted their hearts, and set her free. So the point is, Jesus showed her great mercy by saving her life and gave her a chance to change her ways. Absolutely. And I, I love that about God, that he, he does that for every single one of us. And even over and over when we have made mistakes or sinned or blown it. And, you know, but the thing about Jesus, though, he did always want repentance, you right. know, and it's not enough for us to just feel bad about our sin or what we did wrong. God wants to see change. Repentance is change, change in our thinking, change in our actions. That's right. Right. And so we have to be careful of that. I think as believers, sometimes as people think, well, I feel really bad about what I did. Well, change. God's exactly. just saying change and stop it. That's the same as Judas. I mean, he felt bad about what he did, uh, you know, and uh, taking uh, the 30 pieces of silver and so forth, but he didn't repent. He didn't go to Jesus and repent. He just felt bad. Exactly. And then when we do that and don't repent, then that's when the devil comes in and torments our mind. And then our heart starts condemning us. And we, and some people like feel like they have to now go do penance, so to speak, or do some outward self-affliction to, you know, I've got to earn back like God's grace or mercy or something. And it's like totally off of what the word of God says. No, just stop, change, and move forward with God. Because our righteousness is of him. And Judas didn't do that. He just felt bad. Like I said, Uh, he could have repented, but now the devil entered and tormented him to the point where he committed suicide. Yeah, that's a good example, Bill. So true. So, okay. So, Go ahead, Matthew 9, 2. Look, yeah, that's look another story in Matthew 9, 2. You know, look at the time that some people lowered the man who was sick of the palsy through the roof to get him to Jesus. Jesus was so moved by their effort to tear off the roof in order to see him. And he saw their faith. Their faith, he saw it in action by, you know, observing what they did. Right. And they were hungry to get the man in front of Jesus to be healed, yet the Pharisees only found fault. The scribes wanted to accuse him of blasphemy because he told the lame man his sins were forgiven. Jesus not only forgave the man, but immediately healed him. Of course, the Pharisees were angry and didn't care about the person. Jesus, again, showed great love, mercy, and compassion. That's right. Always looking out for the the one that's the downtrodden or the, the hurting. Hurting. Right. Another story, Luke 6, 6 says, there was a man whose right hand was withered and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him, watched Jesus, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find accusation against him. Those wicked people had no compassion for the man and were trying to catch Jesus doing something that was against their rules so they could silence him or kill him. Jesus again had compassion and healed the man in spite of their desire to rid him from the people. It says that they were filled with madness. Now, how wicked these religious leaders were. Not only were they not concerned for the man with the withered hand, but were furious at Jesus for doing a good work. Also, Jesus never broke any of God's laws, but only the scribes and Pharisees' traditions at times. 
and these were rules that they made up. Their hatred and madness all stems from envy. They were envious that Jesus was getting the attention, had the crowds, and they were no longer the important leaders. They were supposed to be the representatives of God, and they were the antithesis, just the opposite of what God would be like. So true, Bill. You know, and it is interesting that Jesus also chose Matthew, which he was a tax collector, as one of his 12 apostles. And the Jews despised tax collectors. Jesus didn't, you know, doesn't go by what the culture or the society approves or by what we did for a living, but by a person's heart. Right. He knew Matthew was an outcast, but Jesus saw quality and ability in Matthew and a heart that would follow him. You know, and the pious and boring ones and those with their many rules that they themselves don't even keep, they're the ones with the condemning and condescending attitude, and they were the religious leaders of Jesus' day. Right. That's the ones that were the pious and boring ones and And uh, with all these rules. It's interesting, too, Bill, like how God always looks at the heart. I don't know if you want to share the story, but it comes to mind about years and years ago, before we were in ministry and we attended a church, how you were doing, you know, you were following God in the real estate business and you were doing well and even financially God was blessing you and and so forth. And then you said you uh, ran into these people at church and they were envious of you prospering and doing well. And it was just your godly, you were just living godly and God was blessing you. And they tell, tell a little bit about what they actually did out of envy. They came up to me, which after a service, I guess they were convicted by the, what the preacher preached, uh, pricked their conscience. And they said, we have to ask you to forgive us. We've been praying every day. We pray together that you would fail. We were just jealous of you, that you were successful and you were healthy and you were doing well and and that you were even friends with a pastor. They didn't like that, that I was friends with a pastor. And, and they were Christians. Right. And they said, we pray that you would fail and everything would go wrong for you. I said, I'm surprised you would do that as a Christian, but of course I forgive you. And I did. And so, But it just surprised me that a Christian couple could take the effort to pray Against, against you, you. Because they because were envious. envious. So what envy can do, I mean, it's really a wicked thing. It really is. You know, these religious leaders of Jesus' day, Jesus called them hypocrites, full of extortion and excess, liars, like dead man's bones, fools, blind, unclean. Uh, they were of their father, the devil, and said to them, how can you escape the damnation of hell? So Jesus didn't fear their threats, nor fear offending them. In addition, they hated him because he sat and ate with sinners, prostitutes, publicans, Samaritans, tax collectors, and other outcasts. That's in Matthew 9.10. Now those who were considered outcasts were the ones seeking the truth, where the religious leaders who should have known Jesus as the Messiah denied the truth. Jesus is the truth, as he stated in John 14, 6. So true. And Jesus instructed us to be kind, forgiving to all, go the extra mile, walk in humility, stay in peace, help the poor, uh, pray for our enemies, and treat others as we'd want to be treated. And Jesus healed everyone who came to him, and he ate with those who were considered the outcasts of 
society. He only condemned the actions of the religious prideful leaders, and Jesus never forced anyone into church. As a matter of fact, he once threw them all out, and this was because the people were profiting and selling merchandise in God's house. That's right. You know, if you have committed sins that you are ashamed of and feel you can't come to Jesus, well, you're mistaken. He loves you despite what you've done or how you have lived. He wants to take your burdens and sins away. His desire is to spend time with you, help you through life, and then take you to live with him forever in heaven. This is the true and living God, Jesus Christ. Open your heart and sincerely ask him to reveal himself to you today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to leave us a rating or comment. We value your feedback. Stay in touch and learn more about this ministry by visiting us at soulchoiceministries.org.